Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. My name is Roxana Browning. I serve as a shepherding deacon in our congregation. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. As we prepare for worship, let us bow our heads in prayer. God of the prophets, help us to recognize your voice among the competing claims of our day. Raise up in our midst authentic witnesses to your truth. Be present with us now and to guide our prayers and praise. Let us not presume to know your message without carefully listening or to speak your word without discerning the spirit. Light your fires within us so we may heed your sermons and give our best in your service. Amen. Now, as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his words, and our voices be raised in glory to God.
to worship. We gather as God's beloved children. However glad we are, however out of sorts we are, we come together as a people whom God calls into community. So this becomes a place where all are welcome. We have come to give thanks, to pray, to sing, and to be with each other. Let us worship God.
God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, that is, we fail to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with him, we deceive ourselves and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So let us confess our sins to God, trusting in his abundant mercy and everlasting love for us. Let us pray. Faithful God, we have claimed to have more knowledge than we really possess. We have presumed to judge others on the basis of our limited understanding. We have grasped for freedom without taking full responsibility for our actions. Our witness is weak and is directed primarily toward those whom we prefer to associate. By our actions, some of our sisters and brothers are excluded, some are misled, and some are unjustly accused. If we have violated another's conscience, if we have caused someone to fall, we are deeply sorry for failing to do all Christ expects of the church. We repent and seek your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. Sisters and brothers in Christ, hear the good news. At some time, each one of us has been lost in many different ways. But now we are indeed found, and not simply found, but rejoiced over and cherished and beloved. I declare to you in the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. You have come home. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. believers in Jesus Christ across the globe and down through the ages, let us state what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now let us all greet our neighbors in the love of Christ.
Good morning. Welcome to worship here at Church of the Palms this morning. We're so glad you're with us. Especially happy if you are visiting uh, our congregation, maybe for the first time. We are delighted that you're here, and we hope that we'll have the chance to engage in some more conversation with you. One of the ways for us to do that is to pass those friendship pads along to your neighbor, and uh, we hope that you will take note to study those and find out who's sitting near you and perhaps an unfamiliar face and name uh, might draw you into a conversation after our service. It's a beautiful morning, and we would love to have you come out underneath our tree there and see the opportunities for ministry, as well as to gather up some fellowship, enjoy a cup of coffee, and get to know one another even better. Uh, lots of things going on in our life. Today we have a congregational meeting right after our last service at 12 noon. It will be right here in the sanctuary. Always an important meeting, our annual meeting, where we take up uh, a look back at uh, what has been happening in the life of Church of the Palms and a look forward in imagining what God might be doing. Lots of things to celebrate, including the uh, continued construction on our new building, and we'll be talking about that. And we will also be electing a new associate pastor, and uh, that candidate that will be presented by the associate pastor nominating committee is Lori Haas. And Lori will, Lori's actually officially candidating today her sermon. And so uh, we will be listening intently, but we will also be gathering after uh, the 11 o'clock service to elect her as well as to carry on uh, other very, very important business. So we invite you to come back and join us. Go out, have some brunch, come back. Uh, go out, no, go to class first and then go and have brunch. <laughs> and then come back, because we've got some great education opportunities as well that we invite you to take part in. And then you can come back later on this evening at 6.30 here in the sanctuary where we have the final installment of Words Without Songs and Songs Without Words. And this is a great opportunity for you just to be quiet and hear some beautiful music performed by Jonathan Spivey and Genevieve Beauchamp who are going to be sharing uh, their great gifts on the piano tonight. And uh, you know what their great gifts are, and this will be a great chance for you to come and just let that music pour over you, as well as words from some of the great poets. So it's just a great evening, and we hope you'll be with us this evening at 6.30. On Wednesday, we have our next installment of God in Hollywood, and we'll be looking at uh, Babette's Feast, a wonderful, wonderful foreign film that uh, has uh, garnered many awards and it's a great parable about grace and we would love to have you come and join us. If you'd like to see that movie prior, well, we invite everyone to see the movie, but we'll have a viewing of it on Monday evening at 6.30 in the chapel. So come and watch and take in that great story and we'll be discussing it on Wednesday evening at 6.30 as well. Presbyterian women are having a wonderful pro, well, are having a program this coming Saturday and uh, the details of which are uh, in your bulletin on page nine. And uh, we would love to have you come and join us for that. And you can sign up underneath the tree. And uh, we're in the midst of receiving our student sponsorships. You heard the wonderful presentations last week uh, from our students as well as from the leadership of our student ministry. This is an opportunity for you to make a direct investment in our students. Uh, our students go on summer trips over the course of the summer. This directly supports that. Our students themselves, of course, uh, pay for part of their trips. So on an average, around $400 a trip uh, they pay, as well as they volunteer at the minimum of 15 hours uh, to uh, be able to even go on those trips. So uh, we're investing in all sorts of ways in making sure that our kids go. So we would love to have you uh, help us out with that. Sponsorships are $100. Some of you will want to sponsor several students. Some of you, one, you'll be praying for them, but we would love for you to uh, help us out with that, and we'll be looking forward to seeing the ways by which we can support our students. And then lastly, our confirmation uh, class begins this Friday evening. And if you have an eighth grader in your family, a, a, a child or a grandchild that you would like to make sure is in confirmation, just see Lori Haas, and she will be glad to get your information. But that class starts this Friday evening. Let's now continue our worship. Thank you. 
Let us pray. Gracious and loving creator, sometimes we lose sight of the significance of a moment like this, a gathering of hundreds of people who have pulled themselves away from the stuff of life, exited off a seven lane bustling boulevard seeking sanctuary from the noise and the clatter and the racing to and fro. We have bowed our heads and closed our eyes and we sit in the silence the quiet of this moment. And what are we? The created pausing before the creator, the clay before the potter, the woven tapestry before the master weaver. And if we do nothing else in this moment, we have acknowledged that we have been, we are and will be nothing without having first been formed by your creative spirit knit together in our mother's wombs. Our lives would somehow try to convince us that we are masters of our own fate, that it's always been up to us to make something of ourselves and we get caught up in who we are and what we are and where we're going, that we lose sight of whose we are and the wonder of why we're here to begin with. We praise you that not only are you the creating God, but you are the calling God. In the cool of the evening, you strolled through the garden and called out the names of Adam and Eve. Somewhere in the land of Ur, you called out the name of Abram and Sarai. In the burning bush, you called out the name Moses. In the fields of grazing sheep, you called out the name David. In the hovel of a Nazarene peasant's home, you called out the name Mary. You call each of our names because not only have you created us, but you have a purpose for us, a mission for us. You have a ministry for us. The spirit of the Lord is upon us and you have anointed us to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, freedom to the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You yearn to birth us again from the old creation to the new creation, that we would be more than just dust, but that through water and spirit, we would receive a new birth. Help us to sit more often and to bow our heads more often and to close our eyes more often, that we would hear your still small voice calling our names that we would sense where we are to go in your spirit, that we would be born again. We rejoice that you have called the name Lori and that you have led her through these years of education and preparation to this day when we will have the chance to consider her call to this church. You gave her her voice and you are giving her her voice and we pray that through your call, she will be empowered by your Holy Spirit to preach the good news in deed and in word. Bless, O oh Lord, we your bowing creation that we may be a blessing to this weary old world, this busy, busy world that yearns to hear from your children words of grace and mercy and peace. Help each of us to find our own voice, our own word, that we may proclaim the year of the Lord's favor upon all your people. In the name of Christ who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. Let us continue our worship through the presentation of our tithes and gifts and offerings.
Let us pray. We are grateful, O oh Lord, for this opportunity we have to give back to you that which you first gave to us. And we know, O oh Lord, that when we do so, we find the great joy of living. So we pray, O oh Lord, that you will allow these gifts to be an extension of our love to the world, that the world may come to know of that same great joy, to receive your gifts and then to give them back again. All this we pray in Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. I'd like to invite the children to come forward along with Carol. You got the B team today. <laughs> or maybe the F team or F troop or whatever it might be. Hello, everybody. How's everybody doing? Well, we can try that again. How's everybody doing? Excellent, excellent. What was the best thing that happened this week? Can you tell me a best thing that happened this week? Speak into the microphone, sir. Yes, ma'am. I scored four baskets at my basketball game. Excellent, yay. How about some other great things that happened this week? Oh, come on now. Yes, come on. School ended. <laughs> School ended, yay. All right, any more? Other great things that happened this week? Come on, one more. Don't be shy. Huh? Carol, what's a great thing that happened this week? Um, Don't, that's not a trick question. All right, uh, I got to eat lots of food this weekend. Got to eat lots of food this weekend, amen. Okay, who can tell me what this is? Oh, we know what this is, yes. A Rubik's Cube. A Rubik's Cube, all right. Who can tell me what a Rubik's Cube does? Yes. I forgot. You forgot, okay, that's all right. Uh, someone, okay. Um, it's a little puzzle that you have to try to get all four sides, I mean six sides to the same color. Yes, yes, right. So it's a little puzzle, right? And it's got these beautiful colors, right? Orange and blue and white and green and yellow and red. And, and uh, it's wonderful because it has all the same colors on each side, right? And then what happens? What are you supposed to do with the Rubik's Cube? Yes? You spin it and you it makes all the colors out. Yeah, you spin it and you make all the colors do all kinds of crazy things. So, so you kind of spin it around like this, right? I'm not really good with the Rubik's Cube, believe me. And then you're supposed to do what? You're supposed to, let's see. There we go, huh? So it's all mixed up, right? And then you're supposed to put them all back together again, right? Yeah, you wanna see me do it? I can't do it. <laughs> I don't even try to do it because I'm not that smart. I'm not that, I can't put all this back together again. You know what? It's kind of like a little bit like life. You know, life kind of goes all sorts of different crazy ways, right? And we kind of make this turn and that turn and we kind of twist around a little bit and, and we all end up being very, very unique because of all the different gifts and abilities we have as well as some of the maybe right turns and wrong turns we made. And, and then we get to look at this puzzle and we say, oh no, no, what am I supposed to do? What, what, am I supposed to put it all back together again so I'm perfect? Is that what God wants me to do? No, good, good. <laughs> well, not that God doesn't want us to make something beautiful of our lives, but you know what? God loves us just the way we are despite all the twists and turns of our life. And God says it's not all about putting yourself back together again to be perfect. It's about letting me love you just the way you are so that whatever you end up doing, it becomes a beautiful design full of God's wonderful colors in your life. So let's keep that in mind. Next time someone gives you a Rubik's Cube, think about God loves me just the way I am and I get to play with the colors that God's given me to play with, okay? Amen, let's pray. Pray after me. Dear God, we thank you for our lives. We thank you for the beautiful colors of the world Help us always to know that you love us. Amen. Okay, have a great morning.
may be seated. So we're wrapping up a series on starting over. Pastor Steve has walked us through some ideas on finding our purpose, on imagining a better future, and embracing the sacredness of life. Today, we get to wonder about choosing a different life as we look at an encounter between Jesus and Nicodemus. So the scripture passage today comes from the third chapter of John, verses 1 through 17. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, You must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen. Yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Open our hearts and minds, O oh God, for the message that you have for each one of us today. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So when is the last time that you played hide-and-go-seek? It's certainly been a few years for me, but you do remember that classic game, right, where someone covers their eyes and counts to 100 and all the kids go scattering to find the best hiding place that they can find. The counter, the person who is it, then goes on a quest to find all those hidden players. After a certain amount of time, if it can't find one or more of the players, she yells that phrase that means, it's safe to come out of your hiding place. Come on in, wherever you are, it's a new game. Ollie Ollie Oxen free. Now you know that this game is always way more fun in the dark. You can hide so much easier and so much better in the dark. And we like to hide, don't we? When we meet Nicodemus, he is hiding in the dark. Now, Nicodemus was a man of the, man of the law, and that's what it meant to be a Pharisee. Not a lawyer, but his sole purpose was to serve God by a scrupulous observation of regulations governing every aspect of behavior, of thought, speech, diet, hygiene, relationships, work, leisure, and worship. The chosen people lived by Mosaic law, but that wasn't enough for the Pharisees. They sought God in ritual perfection. Surprisingly, Nicodemus saw something of God in Jesus that he felt like he just had to check out himself. So Nicodemus goes to Jesus, yet he isn't willing to risk his reputation or his status by associating with Jesus when anyone else could see them. 
John makes it clear to us that this powerful Jew comes to Jesus at night. So from the shadows, Nicodemus approaches Jesus, and then Jesus shines a light that gives him a new way of seeing things. To this man who has made his life's work as one who is seeking God, Jesus says, no one can see the kingdom of God, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born from above or being born again. Well, this completely befuddles old Nicodemus. Certainly a grown person cannot re-enter his mother's womb and be born again. And Nicodemus obviously is thinking of that physical, literal thing. Jesus tries to clear this up for him with a word picture that powerfully utilizes the double meaning of the Greek word pneuma, which is spirit or wind. In verse 8, Jesus says, The wind blows where it chooses, and you can hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. By connecting spirit to wind, it's as if Jesus says, you don't know where it comes from or where it goes, but you experience the wind. You experience it. You don't control it. Even if you can't comprehend rebirth of the Spirit from above, come and experience it. Come and see. Come into the light. Be born again. I have to confess, when I was reading this passage this past week, that I had the same response as Nicodemus. How can this be? I want to see and enter the kingdom of God. I want to be born again, don't you? Now, I know that to feel and experience the wind, you have to go outside. I recently discovered this wonder of the cool breeze on my new bike that I got for Christmas. It's got a basket and everything. I kind of look like the Wicked Witch of the West tooling around, except that my bike and my basket and my helmet are all robin egg blue. Anyway, I was wondering if John's use of Nicodemus in the darkness juxtapositioned against Jesus, who is the light of the world, might give us a clue about experiencing the Spirit. So let's look at this encounter again. Nicodemus literally means conqueror of the people. Jesus told him that he needed to start his life over. As a conqueror of the people, Nicodemus could function well in the kingdom of the Pharisees and in the kingdom of the Roman and Jerusalem politicians. But the kingdom of God needed another kind of life orientation. What a contrasting encounter it was, the conqueror of nations and the suffering servant, the son of God, the light of the world. Power, prestige, and privilege in conversation with compassion, servanthood, and service. Perhaps it's embracing these Jesus traits that helps us to come out of the darkness and into the warmth of the light for a rebirth. And we can do this even if we hold a position of power like a past president once did. On July 3rd, 1988, an American Navy ship thought it was under attack by an Iranian F-14. In response, the Navy gunned down the Iranian airliner. Unfortunately, it was containing 290 civilian passengers, and it killed them all. Polls revealed that most Americans were against paying compensation to the families of these Iranian victims. You know that the hostage crisis was still fresh in many people's minds. In spite of this, President Reagan approved compensation. After this decision, Reagan was asked by reporters if such payment would send the wrong signal. His response was, I don't ever find compassion a bad precedent. Wise words from a powerful person. Revenge may be easier to practice, but compassion demonstrates the heart of God. Compassion takes us into the light. It seems like compassion has been hollowed out in our culture these days. It's sort of a squishy kumbaya or an unrealistic expectation that none of us can live up to. 
but I wonder if it might be time to reclaim compassion as Christ followers as we try to come out of our dark hiding spaces and into the light. Krista Tippett wrote a, spoke about, a, about compassion in a TED Talk in 2010. So what are the components of compassion? First, she says, compassion is kind. Kindness is an everyday byproduct of all the great virtues. Compassion is also curious. This was a word that we used in our chaplaincy training that I just finished. You can show someone how much you care when you are truly curious about them and what they have to say. Compassion can be synonymous with empathy. It can be joined with the harder work of forgiveness and reconciliation. But it can also express itself in the simple act of presence. It is linked to the practical virtues like generosity and hospitality and just being there, just showing up. She says compassion also is linked to beauty, and by that she means a willingness to see the beauty in the other, not just what it is that we might do to make them feel better or to help them. Krista goes on to say, for the, for the religious, for you and me, compassion also brings us into the territory of mystery, encouraging us not just to see beauty, but perhaps also to look for the face of God in the moment of suffering, in the face of a stranger. Kindness, curiosity, empathy, forgiveness, reconciliation, presence, generosity, hospitality, beauty, mystery, showing up. I think this practice of compassion puts us downwind of the spirit, and that's a good thing. We are in the pathway. But I think we have to be careful to not wrap and tie up compassion with a neat little bow. Compassion is messy and sometimes complicated. And you know why? Because we are messy and very complicated. There's a story about a memorable track event in Seattle, Washington, at Special Olympics track meet some years ago. It went viral later on the internet. As the story is told, nine special needs youth are all gathered at the starting line, anxiously awaiting for the flag so they can start their 100-yard dash. A few yards in, one young man stumbles to the ground, face down and defeated. He lay on the track, sobbing. It is reported that the other eight, hearing his sobs, all stopped in their tracks and returned to help him up. Upon raising him from the ground and wiping his tears, it's further reported that all nine then linked arms and, and jogged to the finish line together. It's a beautiful story, isn't it? Only thing, it's not true. Well, it's not altogether true. Spectators of that 1976 Special Olympics recall that the race started like, like it was described, and one young man did indeed fall to the ground. At that point, though, they recall a couple of the other kids stopped helping him to his feet and joined him and crossed the finish line together. It's a subtle difference, but it's a significant one. We want to liken our experience in the church to events like this, how we hear someone's cry for help, and in a grand gesture of compassion, we all drop what we're doing, we gather around, and we triumphantly, triumphantly carry him to the finish line together. <clears throat> it's not realistic to believe that every one of those special needs athletes were utterly selfless much less even aware that the young man behind him had fallen. It's likewise unrealistic to expect that everyone in our church family is ready to be utterly selfless, putting the needs and encouragement of others above our own, or to think that everyone in our church is even aware of our downfall or our need. The story speaks into two issues about rebirth, First, we are flawed humans who are trying to follow Jesus Christ. Even if we try, try to practice compassion each and every day, knowing that rebirth is an ongoing process, 
Some days are just better than others. Sometimes our eyes and our hearts are in sync and we show up just at the right time to offer love and support. Sometimes our heads are down, too filled with our own concerns and our own worries to even notice that another person has fallen. The other part of the problem that this story illustrates to me is that we're pretty good at hiding in the dark. We hide things like our shame, our insecurities, our perfectionism, and our low self-esteem. Most people don't even know when we've fallen. Maybe this is because many of us believe Mark Twain when he wrote, you should never tell people your problems because 80% of them won't care and the other 20% will think you deserve it. <laughs> Whatever the reason, we are afraid to show our brokenness or our flaws. We're afraid to ask for help. And to this too, I think Jesus says, come into the light, be real, share your story, be reborn into your authentic self. And you know how we can find the courage to come out of our dark hiding places? We can hear what Jesus told Nicodemus in the most popular verse in the entire Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. Luther called this verse the gospel in a nutshell as it signals God's profound love for us and it indicates the depths to which God will go to convey that love for all of us broken people. It's followed up by, the, by a very powerful verse that we also should tuck away in our hearts. Indeed, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is a gift. We can't earn it and we don't deserve it. Like the Spirit, we don't control it. We are recipients of it. Friends, in Jesus, we are safe. We are saved. We can come out of our dark hiding places. All is well. Robert Fulgham wrote a sweet book called All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. The neighborhood kids were playing a game of hide-and-seek, and Fulgham began reflecting on his childhood, and he writes, Did you ever have a kid in your neighborhood who always hid so too good? So good nobody could find him? Well, we did. After a while, we would give up on him and go off, leaving him to rot wherever he was. <laughs> Sooner or later, he would show up all mad because we didn't keep looking for him, and we would get mad back because he wasn't playing the game the way it was supposed to be played. There's hiding and there's finding, we'd say. And he'd say it was hide and seek, not hide and give up. And we'd all yell about who made the rules and who cared about who anyway and how we wouldn't play with him anymore if he didn't get it straight and who needed him anyhow and things like that, hide and seek and yell. No matter what, though, the next time he would hide too, go too good again. He's probably still hidden somewhere for all I know. Fulgham goes on to say... A man I know found out last year he had terminal cancer. He was a doctor, and he knew about dying, and he didn't want to make his family and his friends suffer through that with him. So he kept his secret and died. Everyone said how brave he was to bear his suffering in silence and to not tell anybody. But privately, his family and his friends said how angry they were that he didn't need them that he didn't trust their strength, and it hurt that he didn't say goodbye. He hid too well. Getting found would have kept him in the game, hide-and-seek grown-up style, wanting to hide, needing to be sought, confused about being found. I don't want anyone to know. What will people think? I don't want to bother anyone. Ollie, ollie, oxen free. The kids out in the street are hollering the cry that says, come on in, wherever you are, it's a new game. And for all of us who have hid too well, crouching in the darkness, longing for the light, it's a new game. It's a rebirth. Listen, I think 
I hear Jesus calling, Ollie, Ollie, oxen free. And now with courage and compassion, let us step into the light and be reborn into the image of Christ. And now may the beauty of God be reflected in your eyes, the love of God reflected in your hands, the wisdom of God reflected in your words, and the knowledge of God flow through your hearts so that all might see and believe. Amen.